It's five o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Okay, hello again, everybody. It is uh, the midweek edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. Papers everywhere, things going on. It's crazy time. Uh, Nice to have you with us here on the drive home. Uh, We're also uh, streaming on the uh, platforms for uh, Facebook, YouTube for 94.3 The Game, and, uh, of course, uh, X or Twitter, whatever it is being called today. Uh, you can follow us uh, all there. Uh, very nice for you to be with us. Uh, I want you to download the IBX Media app if you've not done that already, and here is why. Because uh, if you are ever on the go, maybe you're on a walk like I was midday today and you wanted to listen to some music or you wanted to listen to uh, Talk 103.7 or Talk 96.3 or the oldie station, 1027 94 one, even 94.3 the game. You could just put it right there on your the app right there on your phone. Couple buttons your to your favorite station streaming live. If you want to go back and listen to Steve and I go's Hoist the Colors or the Logan Zone or this show or Talk of the Town with Henry, Mark and Laura with the morning rush, you can do that as well. You could just uh, head on over to the uh, App Store or Google Play and uh, download that mug today because uh it is a great uh, app to have. We were uh, over, uh, well over 3,000 uh, when I got a report on this yesterday. So I would encourage you to do the same. So no matter where you go, if your plans take you to Boone and you want to listen to the pregame show on the way to Boone uh, this weekend, you can do that with the IBX Media app. There's no pre-roll ad. It's free to download. You don't have to pay anything with this app. So I hope uh, you will jump aboard and encourage you to do show, do so. All right, uh, Doug Martin joins us uh, coming up in the uh, next segment. We'll have a pirate report with comments from uh, the uh, one and only Coach Mike Houston. We've got a Mike Houston comment uh, that is uh, getting, I think, blown out of proportion. We'll get to in a little bit of our opening drive segment here. But first, we say hello to Philip the Ref Pilkington, uh, who is producing today's show. He'll also have a pirate report and sports update for you coming up in a little bit. Pilk, what is new, what it is, what it was, what it'll be? Uh, nothing much. A little disappointed the uh, Panthers are going to be without a starting offensive lineman for the rest of the year. Uh, it's probably the last well, thing they needed to have happen. But Absolutely. Philip will have that coming up in the update, so stand by for that. Uh, intern German is here today. Is he doing well, Philip? Is, is he hanging in there? Doing great. He's coming to the mic. He's doing great. All right, there you go. That booming radio voice all across the uh, east there of intern German. So great to have those guys uh, aboard before we get into this as well. Uh, there was another incident and this is just a bizarre incident that happened today on the North Carolina campus, the UNC Chapel Hill campus, apparently, uh, in the middle of campus, uh, much like at ECU, they have uh, kind of a central gathering place. It's, it's where the bookstore, but you know, there's also places you can eat there, uh, on campus. Um, behind Wright Auditorium. Uh, I, f- I forget, what is that called, Pilk? I, I actually was there uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago, or last month. Uh, was, Wait, was somebody at ECU, area. the area near yeah. 
well, we got the student center. Then there's that area. The the mall is kind of the area where the people lay out and play with right, their dogs. Right, but it's and, it's the place where you could go in and get food at the mall, uh, the at the uh, east end of the mall, if you will. There, anyway. Oh, the Croatan area. Was, where, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think it's actually no, anyway. Point is. Uh, they have something like that at University of North Carolina. Apparently, there's a bagel shop. There was somebody who was in the bagel shop with a gun this afternoon and brandished the weapon, so they went on lockdown again. Uh, all is clear, but uh, they've canceled classes for the rest of the day. It's just wild that that has happened uh, on that campus again, but because it is uh, big news in the state and collegiately related, I think it was germane to mention that here. I don't know any of the other details. I just know that uh, uh, it has been... Uh, big news this afternoon and apparently they they caught the guy at some kind of apartment or, or campus housing and have arrested him uh i don't know what the situation is so that's you know it wasn't a mass shooting like uh or a potential mass shooting or shooting of any kind like it was uh, a couple two and a half weeks ago all right well everybody's a little sensitive right now i think everybody's a little heightened uh with their sensitivities going into the app state weekend because it's an important game. ECU's 0-2, App State's an in-state rival that uh, is probably uh, vying for a lot of the attention of recruits that East Carolina is going after and and in-state and more. I mean, App State's right there going toe-to-toe with uh, the Pirates and the Tar Heels and the Wolfies and uh, anybody else. You've got Charlotte. It's a tough neighborhood North Carolina is on the recruiting trail in-state. And again, that's just the in-state institution. So, um, there was this, uh, so I guess this was on the David Glenn show, and I know what you're thinking about this subject. I know what you're thinking, Pilk, when I when I tell you about this uh, this here. David Glenn, that's still a thing. 2023. I, I thought the same thing. Don't worry, I did. I guess it's a podcast now. I guess it's a podcast, which means he can just go on and on and on forever because there's no commercial restraints. I can't think of a better forum for Glenn. And the, you know, because he used to give just the three-hour lecture daily. Uh, I like David, but still. All right, so uh, Mike Houston was on David Glenn's podcast. And uh, let's provide a little context. Uh, Glenn clipped something, put it out there on the social media because he's uh, part of this uh, group that is uh, heavy and digital. Uh, And uh, Coach Houston had this to say when asked about the reaction of Pirate Nation to the 0-2 start. Let's play the shorter version of it here because this is the thing that's getting all the attention. Boom. So if they're hitting the panic button after uh, two games, uh, that's uh, that maybe says more about them than about us. So the keyboard Cowboys have come out and swear that this is an attack on the fans. Mike Houston's attacked the fans. I actually talked to somebody today I consider to be really a smart football person I don't know, even know if they heard the clip. They were just reading it, I guess, on social media from these dorks and said, uh, well, you shouldn't be going after the fans. So I had time right before the show because it's been a busy day to listen to this from the North Carolina Sports Network online. And they've got the whole thing. And I, and I don't know if we need to bother to play that necessarily, but I, I don't see where that is going after the fans. Paint me naive, but that's not calling out the fans. That's calling out a vocal minority of the fans. Well, and I think but even not, what he said, he was like, that's their problem, as in they're the ones losing sleep right. overnight. He wasn't saying like 
they're idiots. He just said that's that's their internal own way. Like that's their internal demons. That's not mine. Like you know what? And if they want to panic, they can panic. I'm going to say it. They're idiots, and I know some of them, and they are they are idiots. But it's amazing to me who has, uh, pardon the pun, abandoned ship with this 0-2 start. Now, is there reason for concern? Is there reason for criticism? Yes, I think that's a valid thing if you're a, a supporter of the team, if you're a fan of the team, if you pay your hard-earned money to buy uh, tickets and what have you. I mean, I, I think the fans should have a voice and uh, they should be considered in everything. And they're not always considered in, in everything. But if you've paid your money and you're not breaking a law and you want to boo or you're not happy with the product, well, you have every right to do that. Uh, there's nothing I've seen these first two games from the offense that uh, particularly excites me about the par- prospects of there being a bunch of points potentially this uh, weekend for the Pirates. I could be wrong, and I hope I'm wrong. But I don't think that this is one of these, it's time to now go after the coach because as Philip probably put a little more eloquently than I did, this is a you thing. Nobody in the building over in Ward Sports Medicine thinks that the sky is falling, but it's two games. It's a long way. What were what were you thinking in 21 when they were 0-2 and down in the fourth quarter, big at Marshall? Pirates came back, turned that season around, and turned around. I, I, that was the big signature win, in my opinion, in, in Coach Houston's tenure. That was the jumping-off point to some of the successes that they had in getting to a bowl in 21, and then last year, the eight-win season. And uh, there's not been a lot of those seasons here in recent times, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, Ruff was trending downward. There was a problem there. We've talked, we've litigated this before. You know, the rough dismissal was probably a year too early. I, I saw nothing there that was going in a direction where there's going to be a big turnaround. And the fans would have been dissatisfied there. The product on the field was going in the wrong direction. It was trending downward as far as wins go. Didn't mean Ruff and McNeil's a bad guy. It's just the way it was. Steve Logan said it. We replayed it for you Monday. Your head coach, you're just renting space. Um. Obviously, Scotty Three Mo was a disaster, uh, just an absolute disaster. And the, the first couple Houston teams were, you know, not exactly world beaters. But I, I think to say that he's going after the fans in this thing is is a little. Again, that's probably a you problem. That's probably a you problem. All right, so that's that. Uh, if time, we'll play the whole thing. I'm sure we'll address it on our uh, Pirate uh, Game Day countdown later on uh, this week. So, Pilk, add that to the collection, if you would. And uh, we appreciate you being with us here today. Doug Martin is going to be with us, and uh, we're going to talk to Doug about uh, week two of the uh, college football season, the Pirates and more, and look at week three. And we'll do that right after these words on the Patrick Johnson Show. Dan Patrick mornings, Adam Gold middays, and Patrick Johnson on the way home. The best sports talk lineup in the Pirate Nation is heard right here. All right, let's go. 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates and Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. Woo-hoo! More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. 
All right. Uh, welcome back in uh, the great P-Man uh, here with you on uh, the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3, the game of the IBX media app. Uh, we say hello to Philip the Ref Pilkington, uh, who's producing today, intern German. And now we go to our uh, guest line where the one and only uh, Doug Martin joins us from the... Oh, the Edelman jersey is going if you're with us on the video feed. Is this the... Is this the man cave, Coach? Is that what this is in there? Yeah, Vicky banished me to the basement today, so yeah, this is this is the man cave. Yeah, that's actually uh, that's actually Julian Super Bowl jersey. I get out of the way here. That's a Super uh -huh. Bowl jersey he sent me and autographed it. And so that, that's one of the prized possessions. I bet it is. I bet it is. How you doing, Coach? I'm well, thank you. How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, college football in in full swing. Uh, where you want to start? Is there anything in particular? I guess we'll start with the Pirates, first of all. Uh, heading to App State this weekend. Uh, and it was not a great uh, offensive showing. You know, for three and a half quarters, it was a, a very competitive game. The offense, I thought, was doing enough. The defense was holding uh, East Carolina in that one against Marshall. But, uh, you know, I keep hearing from folks that oh, Marshall's not very good. Marshall's not. Well, I don't know how good they are, but they're they're veteran in key areas. And they won nine football games last year, and so uh, they, like a veteran team, they didn't panic in a you know in a in a in a tractor pull, and then a couple plays they break at the end, they blow the thing wide open. Yeah, I think you know Patrick, if you go back to when you and I talked before the Michigan game, you know, I somewhat predicted this. You know, I, I just I've been there so many times. You know, when you have a really good starting quarterback like Aylers that East Carolina's had for, you know, the three or four years that he started, you know, people get spoiled because that guy's always going to be there. And then when you have to go to the next guy, it's a transition. And I said before the Michigan game, this is going to be a process for East Carolina because they've got to find out what that quarterback is good at, what what is he, what are his strengths, weaknesses, and can he do it? And I think that's what they're going through right now. Um, I can tell you a couple of things that I saw from Saturday's game with Marshall in terms of Garcia. He's, to me, he's one of those quarterbacks that has a little bit of trouble seeing from the pocket in terms of drop back passing. I think that's where he struggles a little bit. I think for him to be successful, and he can be successful, he's a really good athlete. The running game needs to go through him. You need to accentuate his running ability. And the passing game through him probably is going to, to be a lot of play action passes and things where you're moving the launch point for him where he can see the field better. And maybe you slice the field where he's only have to reading half the field. And just so people know, you know, when you throw a drop, a drop back pass, you're a drop back pass quarterback. You're asked to read the whole field coverage. You've got to bounce from one receiver to another. You've really got to have some skills that can't be taught by a coach. And that's where he struggles a little bit. If what I see in just my opinion I don't think he sees the field well from the dropback standpoint. Now, you start to move those guys around and move the launch point and give them a read where it's just one to two off a play-action pass, they can be really effective. Uh, the other quarterback that came in, I think he's more of a dropback guy. You know, he, he does see the field pretty good. He's not quite the athlete that Garcia is. But, yeah, I say all that to say, you know, East Carolina's in a transition offensively. They've just got to figure out, you know, what is best for the football team and what's best for each of those quarterbacks, how they score the most points. You know, people say it's kind of simplifying the offense, but I mean, I, I do think in a case where you have a quarterback with such limited experience, despite the physical blessings, 
you, you may have to dial it back a little bit and and then well, you kind of build upon it. Is, is that maybe the way to handle that? That's true. And that's what play action passes do for you. Play action passes, right. uh, you know, moving the pocket, it's really just a one man read or maybe two. Um, but, you know, one of the other things that I, I thought was unique that Marshall did, you know, Marshall pressured East Carolina a lot, played a lot of man coverage. And that was a problem for ECU. Now, last year, they had those two receivers that, man, you didn't want to play man coverage on East Carolina because you could just throw the ball up and those guys take the ball away from you. One thing I did see is a little glaring is that I didn't really see a receiver that could separate and get open versus yeah. that. Uh, and that that's a problem. You know, I don't care how good you are as a quarterback. If people can't get off man coverage, you know, you're, you're going to struggle. And now you, as a coach, you've got to help them get open then, some pick routes and, you know, crossing routes and things like that. Maybe it's not just fade routes and those type of things. But, you know, they've got to find some way to beat man coverage with the receiver. Who are the guys that can get open? And, you know, again, I, I think it's – if you're going to stay with Garcia, I would look for him to be involved in the running game more and a lot more play-action pass with him moving the launch point. Um, and if it's the other kid, I think he is more of a drop-back passer. Flan, I believe his name. He's a lot more of a drop-back yeah. passer and does see the field pretty well, looks as a good arm, but probably not the athlete that Garcia is. But those are all decisions the quarterbacks have to make. Those are the tough – or the coaches have to make. Those are tough decisions. Um, you know, and that's why you – you know, that's why you're sitting in that chair. It's, it's tough to figure out. And sometimes it takes a couple of games. And that's what I was trying to say before the Michigan game. Right. People just don't panic. Just don't panic and understand that this is a process. You know, David Gerard's first year, we won six games. And it was a process with David growing up all along. And then, you know, the next couple of years, we're winning nine. So uh, that, that's kind of the way those things go. Doug Martin, uh, coach collegiately, ECU offensive coordinator at one time, now a coordinator in the USFL with uh, New Orleans. He is living the good life down at the beach, and uh, he joins us Wednesdays now this season on the Patrick Johnson Show to talk uh, some football. Hey, let me ask you a little bit about uh, App State. They come in, and you talk about quarterback play. They've got a quarterback that is out of the JUCO ranks and has looked really, really uh, uh, impressive through – the, the game where he came in in relief against Gardner Webb and kind of led him back, and then uh, I really put up some good numbers against uh, University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill in that double overtime loss. Uh, Aguilar, Joey Aguilar is his name. Um, you know, that's that's one of those deals. They will they want to run first, and then they'll hit one on you once you get kind of lured in to stop that run. They do. They've got a great offensive system, especially for quarterbacks. It's really quarterback friendly. It's really just what I was talking about. You know, if I was coaching Garcia, what I would do with him, um, they're going to run the ball and they're going to run that outside zone. They're going to run it several different formations and motions, and then they're going to throw a lot of play action passes. And uh, Aguilar, I mean, he really looked comfortable against North Carolina. He looked like he knew where he was going with the football. He extended plays. He made plays. Um, and, you know, to me, you know, Appalachia State is the Western North Carolina version of East Carolina. The, these two programs are, are really similar in, in terms of fan base and how fanatical the fan bases are and how much they put into the football program, how much it means. It's really the really mirror images of each other. And this is a tough place to play. I've been there several times. Uh, they've got a tremendous home field advantage. They are a physical football team. They always play good defense. Uh, and they're going to run the football. That, that's what you know. And if you put a lot of people up there, they're going to, you know, throw the play action passes over your head. So that's the struggle. And I think East Carolina is playing really good on defense. I think they, they've got a, a 
a defensive football team that can win for you. Uh, right now, it's probably, you know, East Carolina needs to rely on their defensive special teams until the offense comes on. Overshadowing that UNC win, Appalachian State has been uh, close, are a couple of things that were said uh, by Mac Brown in the last week. One in reaction to the Tez Walker uh, thing and the NCAA is firing back and saying we've been getting threats and that kind of thing. I'm not so much interested in that as I am as comments that he says, we don't want to play App State anymore. We'll let that for NC State and ECU. It would. Uh, it's well documented. They have not. Mac Brown teams have never played East Carolina, and it doesn't look like they're going to any time either. I mean, that in-state, and one of the nice things about the Marshall game was they brought a lot of fans to Greenville. And, you know, they, their fans like that regional aspect of that series. And, and you know, it is a rivalry, obviously, because the games are always competitive. Or something crazy will, will end up happening. So, you know, in this day and age where we're going to be flying across the country to play a league game, I think it's time to, to get a little more serious. I mean, and now granted it's a Big Ten team, but I mean, you know, Minnesota's coming in this weekend. I don't know if that's going to sell a bunch of tickets that weren't going to be sold already at, at Keenan Stadium. Well, I would agree with you. Now, I mean, everybody knows why Mike Brown doesn't want to play Appalachian State again. The last two games have gone to what, overtime both times, right? So, I mean, he he can only lose in these games. Even if he beats them like he did, he's still going to get a lot of criticism. That's why he doesn't want to play. But for the good of the state, football in the state of North Carolina, it's great. I mean, that's what fans want to see, those rivalries and those regional games. And that who did not enjoy watching that football game at Appalachian State in North Carolina Saturday? I mean, I guarantee everybody was glued to the TV on that game. It was a great football game. The one last year was a great football game. Uh, when yeah. I was in East Carolina, we had great games against NC State. And NC State at that time didn't want to play us and, and finally were forced to. And those were great games. So – I think those things only help. And the way college football is going, you're going to lose a lot of conference uh, rivalry games. Uh, so having some regional rivalry games like that, uh, I think is to to the university's advantage, to the state's advantage for sure. Coach Martin uh, with us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Uh, are they back? Two teams, the U and uh, Texas. Are they back? Well, I don't, you know, I don't know that I would say they're back yet. I thought Texas was really impressive. And, and I really thought, and I said last week, that Alabama would beat them because of the speed factor. I hadn't seen Texas play with team speed like they did Saturday. You know, again, they've got some new faces, especially on defense, where they are a little bit better. They look like they belonged, obviously, in that game. I don't know that I'd go there with Miami yet. And I'm really kind of suspect about the Miami offense and when they're playing somebody that's really in their league, uh, you know, that's a tough team, a Clemson, a North, you know, North Carolina State, you know, those good defensive teams. Can they score on those guys, uh, Florida State? So I, I'm a little bit more suspect of them, but I do think Texas has come a long way. It's a matter of can you do it over the long haul now? Can you do it week after week? And if Texas can, can survive their schedule, then uh, – Man, they, they've come a long way. Uh, Coach Michael Pratt did not play against uh, uh, against the uh, Southern against Ole Miss uh, the other day. Uh, they'll have Southern Miss, I believe, this uh, this weekend. 
Still, uh, as of at least the, a day ago, uh, this may have changed. So, Pilk, if it has, let me know. But uh, Pratt was still, um, you know, I, I guess they hadn't been determined what we what were going to see out of Michael Pratt just just yet. Uh, boy, that does change that. Fo- they've got a really good backup quarterback, but uh, that does change things, does it not, for Tulane this season if Pratt is out for any extended period? Well, I, th- I think it does. The one thing that Tulane has go them for them, and you saw it against Ole Miss, is, man, can they play defense. I mean, Ole Miss can score points. Ole Miss can move the football. And their defensive football team hung right there. It looked like they belonged. They looked like their defensive team looked like they belonged out there with Ole Miss. And they gave Ole Miss fits, and they pressured them a lot of different ways. They moved their front. Um, they do a great job of coaching on the defensive side of the ball. You know, and, and Willie's always been one of those coaches, Willie Fritz, a, you know, good friend mm-hmm. of mine, actually. But, you know, Willie, he's never going to have a team that's going to beat themselves. You know, so offensively, you know, the better quarterback they have, obviously more they can be play on the edge and those type of things. But whoever's in there, they're not going to beat themselves. They're going to play physical. They're going to play to their defense. And they'll be in every game. You know, they were in that Ole Miss game Saturday. So I think they'll still have a good year no matter what happens with Pratt. But obviously they get him back. It only adds to their – to their uh, team. You know, there's no top 25 matchups necessarily this weekend. By the way, NC State with that barn burner uh, in Raleigh against Weber State. So, uh, boy, <laughs> just, I mean, uh, sign State me up. Use, uh, NC State could use one of those games right now because you talk about a team that's struggling oh, yeah. on offense. Yeah. Uh, they are struggling on offense, and, and they, they don't have an identity right now. I think they've got an issue with the quarterback position. Uh, they've got a great offensive staff. I know those guys are really good coaches, so it tells me they've got some problems talent-wise that uh, they haven't had in the past couple of years. And, again, that goes back to that transfer portal. You know, they lost their quarterback. He's playing at Kentucky right. now and, yeah. you know, and having a good year and doing well there. And these are the issues that, you know, you didn't have years ago before that transfer portal stepped in and kind of wrecked all these things. Let me ask you about a couple games that are maybe under the radar at noon uh, this Saturday for week three. Uh, Wisconsin, and they've had a really long run of winning seasons. Luke Fickle's there now. They lost last week. Uh, they've got Georgia Southern, who's 2-0. and Does Georgia's, I mean, it's, it's probably a tough putt for Georgia Southern, but is there anything, because Wisconsin's got some issues right now. Is there, is there any, any opportunity there for maybe what would be on paper an upset? The, the only way that can happen is if, if Georgia Southern can score. You know, they, they're going to have to because Wisconsin will score some points. In right, the game. right. If uh, Georgia Southern can some, get close to 30 points, hang in there, make it close in the fourth quarter, uh, then that's, that's the way that can happen. But, uh, you know, you let Wisconsin get going, and they'll play with an edge this week, I guarantee you, a lot more physical than what they did last week. And, uh, you know, I, I would expect them to win and get back on track. Yeah, I uh, am interested, as I'm sure you are, for various reasons, about uh, Wake Forest at Old Dominion. That's another one of these regional deals that you know probably should be played, and uh, credit to Wake for doing it and Old Dominion for putting it together. What do you see in that game from Norfolk? Playing, but playing playing at Old Dominion, you know, so kudos to Wake for doing that. Uh, I would just tell Wake Forest, be very careful. In this one, you know, Old Dominion is a good offensive football team. Uh, they're very similar to if you've seen Tennessee play at all. They use the wide mm-hmm. splits. The receivers are almost split from sideline to sideline. Really stresses your secondary out. They throw the ball deep very well. 
uh, and they've got a really good quarterback. I mean, he can throw the football. So I, I know, you know, going into this, obviously my son's on the staff at Wake Forest, and I know their defensive side of the football is is really wary of this game. Now, I will say offensively, I've been really impressed with Wake Forest. Uh, you know, the, obviously Sam Hartman leaves, uh, transfer portal deal again, goes to Notre Dame. But I tell you, their quarterback has stepped in and has played really well, Griffiths, Griffiths and uh, – you know, he's not making mistakes. He's making plays. They've got some receivers that can go up and get the football. Uh, and they ran the ball really well last week against Vanderbilt. I was actually at that game watching in person, and uh, they did yeah. a great job of moving the football. So I think Wake is a, is a good football team. I don't think they're what they've been the last couple of years, but I think they'll certainly be in another bowl game, maybe a six or seven win team. And, uh, man, if they can get another bowl game, that that's kudos to them because they've uh, lost a lot of people in the last year. Coach, I misspoke. It's VMI at NC State, not Weber State. They're at Utah. It's VMI at NC State. Still, you know, VMI. On the the CW. Yes, same thing. On the CW. (laughs) On the CW. Wow, that game belongs on the CW. All right. Uh, We have – I just – this is interesting to me. It's Alabama going to um, South Florida. I think it's the first time in 20 years that they have played a road game has Alabama – against a uh, non-BCS or non-P5 non-conference opponent. Uh, and uh, obviously, they're doing this from the recruiting standpoint. They're going to sell out the stadium. Their fans probably like going down to Tampa this time of year. Uh, you know, good for South Florida. They're going to sell some tickets. But uh, Bama's going to come in angry. Yeah, and, and, you know, I mean, who doesn't think that Nick Saban will have that football team ready to play? you know, this week after last week. I mean, they're going to play, and they'll, they'll win the football game, and they'll play very physical. Um, but, you know, Alabama's another situation. I would lark, harken back to East Carolina for a second, uh, Patrick. Uh-huh. You know, again, yep. they're going through a quarterback transition at Alabama right now and an offensive coordinator transition. And you can see the difference in them, too. You know, last year they had Bryce Young, and they've got an established offense, and they're scoring 40 points on everybody. And all of a sudden right now, it doesn't look like that, you know. Now, they're doing some different things with this quarterback, and, and he's a, a great runner and, and can throw when they move him. He throws well. He's not a great drop-back passer. So they're trying to fi- figure him out, too. And so I think, you know, if East Carolina kind of look at that, it's kind of similar. Even at Alabama, you go through these transitions when you lose a great quarterback and you have to start over again. Maybe not to the degree because their overall talent is better, uh, but it's kind of the same philosophy. Let me ask you one other thing. I'm going to get a little pro football on you. Is Rodgers with an Achilles blowout at 39 mm-hmm. done? You know, I, I, I would hate to say that. I, you know, I'm a big fan of his, and, and he's a tremendous player. But, man, of all the injuries to have, that's the one that's really tough to, to come back from, especially with age on you. Uh, and really, just about every athlete will tell you that that's gone through it. I mean, those are really hard Um you know, from a physical standpoint, to, to get back where you were. And his mobility was a lot of his game. You know, being able to move in the pocket, uh, you know, being able to run when he needed to, those type of things, really one of the things that made him so good. So I think it's going to be tough. I hope not. I hope he does come back and play again, but that, that's going to be a tough one. Hey, Coach, great to talk to you. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, enjoy week three. All right, my man. Have a good one. All right. Take care. There he goes. Doug Martin, always great to catch up with him. Right now, Philip the Ref Pilkington with a 94-3 the game sports update and pirate report. Pilk. 
Thanks, Patrick. Philip Pilkington here with your 94-3 The Game Sports Flash update and Pirate Report. East Carolina junior gar- golfer uh, Carter Busey carded a 10-under in capturing his first collegiate tournament title Tuesday at the River Run Collegiate. The two-day 54 event was being played at the River Run Country Club. Busey w- posted a the third lowest 54 total in program history. He shot 68-64-68, finishing at three shots ahead of Radford's Radford's, excuse me, Bryce Corbett. He's got a women's golf card a final score of 23 over par in the three-day competition as well. The 2023 Golf Week Fall Challenge on Tuesday afternoon, freshman Nicole Nash tallied a final score of three over par to lead the Pirates in her collegiate debut as the pirate as she finished tied for 10th overall bad news for carolina pa- or for yeah for carolina panther fans today as starting guard brady christensen has been put on season ending ir with a bicep injury he sustained late in the panther season opening loss to atlanta the third year player played in all 17 games for the team last season coach reich said that three players were, will work out at that position this week at practice and he will name a starter officially later in the week. Staying with the Panthers in response to cornerback J.C. Horn going on the IR yesterday, the team has signed corner Sam Webb off the Raiders practice squad to their 53-man roster. The NFL has announced that starting in 2024, practice squads will be expanded from 16 players to 17 players. The 17th will be an international player. This is the league's hope to continue to grow the game globally. Last night, Braves first baseman Matt Olson hit his 51st home home run of the season, tying the franchise record for most home runs in a season. Looking at Major League Baseball that is currently going on, a lot of games going on affecting playoff races. Patrick's Cubbies are down 7-3 to the Rockies in the top of the 8th. The Giants are trailing 5-1 to to the Guardians in the 7th. And the Mariners, who are still trying to win the American League West, trail the Angels 2-1 in the bottom of the 5th inning. To the NBA, the Board of Governors voted on Wednesday to approve tougher resting policy rules and punishments to star players who sit out games, including those on national TV and season tournaments, as well as multiple All-Stars sitting out a regular season game altogether. The rule would ultimately give the league office more authority over greater oversight over the discipline for missed games and the ability to fine teams more than $1 million each time they violate these rules. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash update and Pirate Report. More of the Patrick Johnson Show with our Pirate Report after this timeout. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Which begins at... uh, Coverage uh, begins coming up uh, Saturday at 12.30 for Pirate Game Day Countdown, fueled by Bush Light. Uh, It'll be myself, the great Terrence Copper, and Joey Football himself, Joe Sampson. Uh, with us coming up uh, on uh, Saturday. We'll be uh, bringing you coverage of uh, ECU visiting Boone for the first time since the late 70s. Uh, Steve and I go be on the show. We're going to have some other great guests, so uh, stand by for uh, that. Uh, Coach Houston uh, talking about uh, the team yesterday, and uh, he uh, began his press conference with his thoughts on the team's loss in their last game. Obviously disappointed uh, in not being able to finish off the game the other night and uh, get a win uh, in our home opener. 
Um, you know, I thought uh, thought the a lot of positives from the game. Uh, I thought the you know the, the players were ready to play. I thought we played very very hard. Um, thought played really well for uh, stretches throughout the game uh, and put ourselves in a position in the fourth quarter with the lead and the ball. Uh, you know, to be able to you know put the game uh, away so to speak. Uh, had a couple of opportunities uh, deep in Marshall territory that we were not able to take advantage of. Uh, and you know that came back to bite us, and then just did not uh, did not finish the game the last uh, you know six seven minutes or so did not finish the game uh, the way we want to. Uh, expectations for the upcoming matchup against App State from Coach Houston. And so now uh, you know fully focused on a, a very good Appalachian State team coming off of a double overtime loss uh, at UNC. Um, you know we'll travel up this weekend. Uh, to Boone, uh, be a very challenging environment, uh, always a tough place to play, uh, and uh, a very good team we're facing. So um, another great opportunity for our, for our team. Uh, the kids are excited about the matchup. Um, I'm sure it's going to be a great uh, atmosphere on Saturday, and uh, the players will be excited to get back out there and ready to go. Uh, also, uh, Coach Houston, when asked about uh, the quarterback situation, well, I think, and I had a, a question this morning uh, regarding that. Uh, and you know, it's no position in our program is any different than any other. Um, you know, there's always competition, uh, and we're always going to, um, you know, do what's best for our, our our team and our program to give us the best opportunity to win on game day. Uh, and I thought Mason did some really good things. Uh, Saturday, obviously, he's got some things he's got to clean up. Uh, I thought he played better than he did the week before. Um, I thought Alex came in and did some good things. I also think there's some things Alex has to clean up. So, um, you know, both of them are pushing uh, each other daily to improve. Uh, and you know, the biggest thing is our our, our entire uh, offense and our entire team has to push push itself uh, daily to improve. Coach Houston, when asked what needs to be cleaned up in regards to teams, uh, the team's passing plays. Well, I think all of it. I mean, I think you hit on everything. Uh, we had a couple of drops by a couple of receivers Saturday on well-thrown balls. Uh, we had uh, some breakdowns in protection uh, that uh, caused some plays to, you know, have to abort uh, a, a passing play. And uh, Mason did a great job of creating some positive uh, yardage off of those situations. Uh, and then we've got to throw the ball a little bit more accurately in the pocket. So I don't think it's one thing that you can look at. And I think everybody sees that if they watch it closely. I think there's lots of things. Um, and uh, the coach talked about uh, the Pirates' start and trying to turn things around there. Well, I think uh, coming into the season, we knew we had a uh, very challenging non-conference schedule, um, you know, kind of similar to 2021. Um, I remember 2021 vividly. Uh, I remember them booing our quarterback off the field in his home stadium. Uh, I remember everybody uh, telling me all week I needed to bench him. I needed to start the backup. Uh, you know, we weren't going to go anywhere if I didn't do that. I remember a lot of similarities. I also know that it was the right decision not to, and that quarterback's playing for the Seahawks now. So I just think everybody needs to, uh, you know, support the, the kids that are on the field and support the players. 
Um, thoughts on facing a third straight team that likes to run the football? Coach Mike Houston on our Pirate Report. Well, I think we're, I think we're playing a, uh, a group that has always prided itself in the way they've ran the football. I mean, uh, uh, Sean has done a great job up there with that program. Obviously, we faced them in 2021. Uh, they're a hard-nosed physical football team. Uh, I thought they did a great job this past uh, weekend in Chapel Hill running the football effectively. Uh, the run game is different than what we've seen in the first two weeks, and so the challenges are a little bit different. So, you know, our game plan will be a little bit different. Um, you know, the other thing is I think they do a great job of throwing the play-action passes off of their run game. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, Aguilar came in uh, in the opener uh, and has done a really good job of, of really bringing some, uh, some continuity to that offense, and he played – very, very well this past weekend. I mean, you can tell he's an experienced veteran guy in the pocket. Uh, and uh, this is uh, the assessment on the corners and the new starters from Coach Houston. Yeah, I mean, I think two, two uh, new guys uh, uh, to, to playing and uh, two younger guys. And I think they've done some really good things. And I think they've, uh, you know, they've made some mistakes. Um, uh, unfortunately, when you make a mistake at corner, uh, everybody in the stadium sees it. And so uh, they'll grow and they'll learn from that and, uh, and play better from that. But I think certainly they both have ability and, uh, and they both have desire to go out and play at a very high level. Uh, on the hostility they will face at Appalachian State. Well, I think the last time that uh, I played there as a coach was 2007. So we played them the week after they knocked off Michigan. Uh, so that was a pretty rowdy environment then. Uh, it's a very passionate fan base. Um, it'll, be, it'll be sold out and beyond capacity on Saturday. Uh, it'll be loud. It'll be hostile. But that's great. I mean, that's, you know, you love playing in those kind of environments. I mean, I think they just, I think they, they give the home team energy, and I think they give the visiting team energy. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to play uh, on, that, uh, on that stage uh, against a, a really good football team. Uh, and I expect it to be a highly competitive game. And uh, Coach Houston says he's a fan of this series with the Mountaineers. I think these, th I think these games are great. I mean, I, I wish that uh, we could somehow figure out for all the FBS teams in the state of North Carolina to play. Um, I think it's a, I, th I think the two schools are very similar in that uh, you know, Appalachian State and East Carolina are both you know football schools with passionate fan bases, and you know. Our traditions may be a little different as far as, you know, the conferences and stuff we've been associated with over the year, but both have had, you know, a lot of success in their respective uh, situations. And so you just you, you have, you know, two schools, I think it makes sense for us to play. And I know that uh, Sean and I have talked about it. Now, I don't know how much say he and I have in it, but, uh, you know, we both think it's a good matchup. And, you know, I think uh, the, more, the more you square off against each other, I think it could, be, could become a pretty good rivalry. Thoughts on receiving avoidable penalties in the last game? Final uh, cut here from uh, Coach Mike Houston. Well, sure. I mean, it's, I think uh, the vast majority are avoidable. Um, you know, the ones that were there are very avoidable. So uh, it's something that uh, we've got to clean up. The players understand that. Um, you know, we've, we've had accountability. We've had film. And now we've got to clean it up on the practice field. But, uh, you know, you've got to do the things that are important to winning. And, uh, you know, eliminating those penalties uh, you know, would have allowed us to stop a couple of drives defensively. Eliminating those penalties would have allowed us to continue some drives offensively. 
Um, so it's something that's very important for us to get fixed. But, you know, we've got to fix that. We've got to fix the execution stuff. We've got to get a, the 11 guys on the field playing together, playing together better. Uh, and that's the big focus of this week's practice. All right, uh, that is today's Pirate Report, uh, and uh, we'll hear from the coordinators tomorrow. Offensive coordinator Donnie Kirkpatrick, speaking of uh, fans ire, and uh, also defensive coordinator Blake Harrell, Pirate defense uh, playing well on the whole, uh, minus a few breakdowns in coverage over the last couple games uh, and uh, allowing the big play, the explosion, explosion play has been a bit of a problem. All right, uh, let us take a timeout, and when we come back, we will uh, wrap things up for the Patrick Johnson Show. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. It's great to have Doug Martin on, and uh, it's great to have you with us uh, here. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Jim Zoki will be uh, with us. We'll hear from Donnie Kirkpatrick. We'll hear from uh, Blake Harrell and uh, a lot more as we uh, continue on on a uh, Pirate Game Week. ECU on the road, heading to Appalachian uh, State. Uh, you uh, reported it at the bottom of the hour, Pilk, uh, about uh, Brady Christensen, uh, who was a, a top Panthers pick from a couple years ago, uh, being out. And look, I mean, injury. we were giving J.C. Horn uh, uh, a label of being uh, fr- fragile, um, which he is, and uh, or injury prone at least. And, you know, I'm just uh, – you're, you, you hit the nail on the head. The last thing they need is – an injury along the offensive line, which to me, over the last several years of my time doing this show, the Panthers' offensive line, even on the years they were okay, wasn't the greatest on earth. So I think that's a that's a big blow, and uh, I would expect uh, your Cats to win on Monday night. Yeah, I, I hope you're not holding that. out hope. Yeah, uh, it's it's going to be a tight one. I don't think the Saints are great either, but yeah, to build off your point there, Patrick, the offensive line historically has not been good. Um, I think they are finally getting to serviceable. Kind of saw it second oh, half yeah. of last year and into this year. And, uh, you know, you got a, a leading guard go down, and yeah, it's rough. And now he is not, as you said it, like uh, the Toy Story, I don't think, or the Christmas story, excuse me. I don't know if he's as fragile as. Uh, Mr. Horn is considering he played all 17 games last year with no issue, but uh, yeah, it's just rough to see. But yeah, Andrew's part of the game. Falls, Next man up. That falls under bad break, uh, is what that falls under uh, for the Panthers. All right, um, I'm sure we'll have lots of reaction as uh, it's been coming in all day to uh, the Houston David Glinch. I'm just shocked David Glenn had still has a show or has a show. I'm I'm kind of stunned at that actually. I did not it's a know thing. that. Who knew? I did, I know. I did not. Who knew? It's a thing. I'm happy for David, though. All right. Uh, we're breaking for uh, 23 hours here on the PJ Show. Back in the morning on Talk of the Town on 103.7 and 96.3. And we will be uh, right here tomorrow at 5 o'clock for a new episode, live and in living color, the Patrick Johnson Show. <laughs>